introduce yourself. I'm John. I'm Nathaniel. Rowan. Chris. And I'm Liam. So, uh, one thing we've all got in common, it's four of us prisoners at Winston Green, one of us is a member of staff. Um, I want to ask each of what do you think life's going to look like for you when you get released? So we start with you, John. Where, where, where do you think? No, I think you should start with Nathan. All right, we'll start with you, Nathan. What do you think life looks like at the end of your sentence? Well, at the moment, it's not looking too good with everything that's going on around the place and on the outside, but hopefully it will get a lot better. I've got a while to do it, so it's something that I'm concerned about. It's something that I'm going to be looking to progress with, and hopefully there's better opportunities out of there by the time my time does come for that. But I will prepare myself as much as I possibly can, ready for that time. So when are you releasing? Twenty twenty-seven. Are you putting things in place now to give yourself better opportunities when you get out? I've tried already, yeah, I've started, I've d done this wellbeing navigating course, I've done an open university course which I'm still progressing with, I haven't done much of it yet but I'm still on the ball with Covid and everything, it's been quite hard to juggle things around and get to see people, but then we're still in the pipeline and I'll continue with them as I go along and once I finish them, I'll always continue. I'm constantly learning while I'm in prison, you've got a lot of time in here so use it constructively. Anyone can sit in the cell and do it, nothing. So I'd rather learn something and put it to good use for when I do get out. So these qualifications you're doing, have you got a career in mind? Is this something you're aiming for? More of a counselling route for myself, because I feel like I've got a lot of experience to do with drugs, offending, uh, crimes that are drug-related, why people do it, rehabilitation for that person and step in the right de direction for them really so yeah more the counselling route for myself and understanding why people do what they do all right so do you intend then to get yourself into a decap as soon as possible absolutely yeah yes. i'll i'll do everything i can to get there so i can hopefully go out and have some hands-on experience and go out to a college or go out to a group and meet the public or users, service users, whoever, yeah. talk directly to them. I'll tell you why I asked that, so I'm actually, I'm doing my dissertation for my own counselling degree as we speak, okay. and, and I found during COVID, that's been really difficult to yeah. so, so I'm doing an MVQ at the same time. It's not like we're getting access to tutors. I've not spoke to one tutor for any of my courses. Normally. Um, and my DCAP review is next month. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, it's, it's no one's had that conversation with you about the next step when you're moving forward. It, it, you're not even down to options of a DCAT you want to go to, yet alone you use your qualifications. So it's, it's quite... It's stuck in limbo. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a daunting prospect at the minute. And then um, you, even if you want to ask questions or you want to find that information, for us being in prison, it's a lot harder than out there because we have to go through this avenue, that avenue, and it's all a waiting game for us. We don't get an instant answer. We can't phone somebody straight away, tutor, have a speak with them. We've got to put an application in, wait for a reply, then answer it again. There's not enough face-to-face -face for us yeah, in yeah. that sense, doing them kind of courses and things like that. But that's only due to COVID. Wow. You, I'll, I'll just bring Rowan in here. See, where are you on our life after prison? Um, I, I worked in the construction trade previously. Um, and I know it's quite, there's always work in construction, 
Yeah. Always working constructions. Last time I was out, within 14 days, I'd managed to get my CSCS card and my part one in scaffolding, which I did for six months and then went on to work with the brick bricklayers. So if you want it, it's there. But that's, that's a temporary, it's just a quick way to get into work. It's not, it's not a long-term ambition of mine. Mine's pretty much the same as Nathan's. I want to go down the route of counselling or peer support, mentoring. Uh, I love horses. I love the outside. And just for myself personally, um, I, I, I was having a hard time after about 18 months of being out. I've just... Things start getting back on top of you again and I thought... Yeah. I need to go back to prison. It's a mad thing. It's more relaxing now. I haven't got all these responsibilities. And it's the routine. Yeah, well, it, every day you know where you're I, at, what you're At doing. first I adjusted, but then over time it just come back to me that oh, this is all getting too much responsibility yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and someone asked me what I love doing, and I said I love horses. I said, we'll get a horse there. So I got a, rescued a horse. And that responsibility of watching that horse go from something so that was in a very bad condition to thriving what that did for my mental health and not just me my family around me because they're seeing an improvement in my mental health I just thought wow this could help other people yeah, yeah. I'm not just I'm not just doing with the horses just being outside fresh air every day meeting different people from different communities that you'd never meet in a normal I come from a council estate yeah don't yeah. see horses by me <laughs> you know, you, you know what I mean. So you just meet, you just meet different people from different backgrounds, and I've, and like then you start listening to their struggles that they've had with alcohol, bereavement, drugs, all these different things, and you you get to learn that I'm not so different to these people, you know. Whereas like when you're in a group of friends and you're the only one that's ever been to prison, oh, it's, he's done it again, and he's yeah, up to his yeah, old yeah, way. Yeah you become the point of every bad thing that happens. Oh, that's what he used to be like. But when you grow up, when you're around different people and they're a bit more mature and like they've got a bit of empathy about them, yeah, that they let you know that that's what we're, we've been through and this is what we've done to change. So that's, that's just the route that I want to go down anyway. I just want to, outdoors, animals, not necessarily horses, but animals in yeah. general. Um, because I know that animals are very good for people's mental health. Like, especially now in lockdown, how many people yeah, have bought yeah. dogs, cats, birds, have probably got back into the fish tanks, the pond in the garden. Yeah. And it's just good for the mental health. So that's something that I, I want to try and do, to be honest. Do you know what I think as well? I know it it's, sounds a bit weird and I know it would never happen, but during this lockdown and this COVID and whatever else, how many people's mental health do you think could have been improved and saved if they had a, a, a bird, a gerbil? Some sort of cat, something. Do you mean to, in Britain? Yeah, yeah. If you yeah, had that in your cell, it sounds cliche and stupid, but if they had that response, it's giving them responsibility, giving them something to care for. That, that would improve their mental health to a certain extent. You wouldn't believe me, <laughs> but I actually had this around with Chris McQuarrie the other month, but it says in an IEP scheme that we're entitled to a budgie, so I wanted my budgie, and I went to him talking about where can I buy my budgie from, and he was not having it. Not having it. Not having it. So, yeah, uh, yeah, politics, isn't it? yeah, I'd have been all over that. You think what would happen if, say, if a dog come on the wing and not to do a search, not no drug yeah, search? Yeah, 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 it's there for you. If a dog just come on the wing for one hour, 
just one hour and just let it run around. You just imagine the yeah, atmosphere yeah, with the lads. Yeah, yeah. The faces would lift up. It'd be right. totally different. Yeah. It'd be a conversation for the next few days. It yeah. has actually uh, been done in a number of prisons and uh, they've, they've brought it on on a, a family health day and things like that and uh, they've put it on a wing uh, and, and allowed it to roam and, and the uh, residents to kind of play with it for, for an hour or so and, and they've said that the mental health and etc has improved for a, for, for a week or so. Obviously it's then returned to a more normal mm. uh, Length, you know, height, but uh, it, it, I don't it think it made many any worse no, in no, that sense. No, no, no. And I bet you for that week there was a lot more stability and a yeah. lot more yeah. calmness about the wing just from that one dog being there. I think yeah. the worst part of that experience, I would imagine, would be when they take the dog away. Do you know what I mean? Some dogs there, you're gonna, you're gonna have that. He's gonna perk you up in it. Yeah. But for me, when I come to prison, there was a, a few things that struck me at the time. I remember. The first was, I, I walked on the B-Wing and it was chaos. I got in the cell, got my food. Uh, I remember someone had already tried to rob me with a toilet brush he'd sharpened into a spear. And uh, I, I, got, I got out of that and he'd left me alone and whatever else. And then by the, by the time the evening comes, the thought we went round from here is, I've had it worse than this. Like out there, my life's been worse than, than it currently is in this moment. And I knew I'd be all right. And then the things I missed was, it wasn't the house, it wasn't the dog, uh, sorry, it wasn't the job, it wasn't the missus, it was me dog, I missed me dog, do you know what I mean, it did drive me mad, you know, I, I remember the conversation I'm dealing was, why can't we get dog visits, the same way your family can come and see you, why can't you have like an hour a week with your dog, do you know what I mean, so, so it's quite, could be a key point there, do you want to chip in here John, you're quiet over there. That would be a talking point wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, just, my objective is just to be, yeah, when I get out to live a normal life, and from a very early thing, I mean one of the governors come to me, he said use your time, don't lose your time, so since I've come here, I've always tried to get in, engaged in purposeful activity, yeah. and that's why I think it's a shame, you know, with all this COVID, what we've lost is a lot of activities and stuff that that enables lads to get involved in stuff that makes them turn the corner. And then on the outside, everyone's saying that lockdown, you sort of like, it's bad for the economy. Well, what we suffer in here is that you, you sort of bang behind your door and you've got no chance to do anything in order to aid your rehabilitation. So you, there's no activities, there's nothing for you to do. So there's, there's no way for you to make a change. And a lot of the lads, they're defeatist anyway about, about making a change. And, and so, you know, it makes a lot. Of, it takes a lot of courage sometimes for some of the lads to admit that they've gone down the wrong path for so long and, and, and to change direction. So if there's nothing there once they make that you know decision and then going to change, if there's nothing there for them to facilitate that change, you know. For, I mean, I mean that was interesting that you, you said about the dog. I know, I know that there was a, there was talk about getting a petting dog. Yeah. But yeah. obviously, COVID comes and everything changes. Mm -hmm. So the quicker that people can help us get back to normal, the better, isn't it? What does normal look like for you? when you're released, because that, that's the thing, <laughs> normal's different for everybody, isn't it? So mm. obviously, I'm, and you and I live at opposite ends of the country, so I'm pretty sure our normals are gonna vary quite a bit. Yeah, well normal, normal I mean, man, normal for me is being able to go back home, where I'm from, and knowing that I'm on the, I was on the front page of the local paper, but I won't be able to go out with my kids and have a meal, and not people point at me and say, well, you know, I, mean, I want them to say, well, he's doing that now. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? That that you know, because I want to be known for something different than than my past. 
and, yeah, and that, that's my objective. But you do understand at first that will be a possibility and people will say that it's something you're going to have to get Yeah, but I'm, I'm strong in myself. Yeah. I know as long as I've changed. You can do. As long as yeah, you've changed. And, and, and I'm doing something different, mm. I can hold my head up. Yeah, Odd thing there, when I was a teenager, I first got in with a little group I, I looked about with, but eventually it went pear shaped and I ended up here. I remember when I was 16, someone said to me, once you get involved in this game, in a, where we live, the town we live was so small, he said, that's what you'll always be known for. He said, so even if you was to stop, you'd still be that drug dealer. He said, so this was his, I think I was about like 16, 17, and I was having like a, do I really want to do this moment? Uh, and that was what he said to me. He said, so you might as well keep on. He said, because no one will ever let you forget. And, and at that young age, that was the reasoning. That, that, that kept me going. Go on, Chris. The, there's um, a, a charity that uh, we deal with, um, and uh, I'll, I'll name them because we've, we've worked with them a lot in here, uh, called Datus, who, uh, yeah, yeah, who, yeah. who, uh, who deal with uh, drug uh, fences and uh, they come in to do uh, rehab work. Uh, and the uh, founder of, of, of that uh, charity was an habitual user of class A and was in and out of this prison uh, and, and his story when he, when, he, when he used to come in here was that uh, basically he used to get picked up left, right and centre and he walked down the street and the, the car had pulled him at the curb, whipped him in and he hadn't done anything and he said uh, when he did give in and uh, he changed his life around uh, and he wasn't using at all it still took him about two to three years before they stopped pulling in at the yeah, curb. Yeah, yeah. He said, but eventually they did stop. And then basically they'd wind the window down and say, oh yeah, how are you? Yeah, you know, so-and-so. Yeah. Uh, so you know, but, but, but they have changed and yeah. now they actually put the window down and say, how's things going, you know? Mm. And, and they accept him for the work that he's now doing. But it did take a long time afterwards, and, and he had to accept that That's what you're hoping for he was for. still being. Uh, did you do so and so job, or did you do so and so job for a, for a couple of years yeah, afterwards? Yeah, yeah. But he was strong enough to kind of go with it and uh, accept it, and uh, and he got over it. And now he's a, a respected member of the community, and and, and they go through for help now. That that actually leads me on to the next point, which to make like from where we sit. It looks like if you was getting released from Winston Green, there isn't any real barriers in place to, to one, allow people, uh, ex-prisoners, to build resilience, or two, to actually change, get on, move forward. I mean, we hear stories about, oh, there's this charity, or there's that charity, but I can't name one person that's actually benefited from one of these charities and not come back. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah. Yeah. scary? Yeah, you're saying that um, that a lot of the guys, there's been no successes. But I think you've got to look at it a different way. I think people have got to help themselves, first yeah, of yeah, all. Yeah. But all right, they, they might not make the link, yeah? So I think the, the big thing that we should be improving on is peers. Peers in the middle, bridging the gap. Do you mean like in the shape of mentors meeting people at yeah, the gate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But peers, us, us ourselves taking the initiative yeah. and sort of like... If, I mean, yeah, do, do, we used to know a bloke called Steve from Mind, yeah? yeah. That'll help anybody on the outside. But how do we, how, you know, how do we, the person gets released 
and straight away he's in the big outside world and you know you, you've got to get the hook on him on the inside so Steve has got to build the relationship with these people before they leave so that when they when they go out they think oh I know where I can go I can go and take advantage of mine or whatever and the peers and in here have got to steer lads towards you know these things on the inside and, and the prison has got to help the peer initiatives thrive that's where I think the, the bridge is I mean they did it once probation did it once they used peers they put a load of lads that have been recalled several times on one side of the room and they put they put um, people probation on the other side and probation they're not just there to recall you they're there to help you but not many lads realize that they just think it's the three p's in it police probation prosecution you know what i mean they, they just think that probation part is set up but when they put qualified iag trained peers in the middle of it to speak to lads and say well look you've got to engage with probation tell them what you want tell them you want help for gambling tell them you want help for drugs tell them all these things because that's their real job to make sure you get it well then it helps better it sort of bridges the gap and i think that's where you know there can be more work done empowering the peers it's um i understand what you're saying but at the same time it works both ways i'd like to do this course we haven't got the funding I'd like to do this. We're not doing that here. That's for, because probation's been split into two sections now. <laughs> you've got the one for serious offenders, then you've got the other section. Now they get more funding for theirs because they're prolific offenders than somebody that's just done it once or twice, but because he's only committed one crime and been to prison for a short sentence, you forget about his upbringing, what he had from the very start, what he knows in his head, whether it's, addiction, abuse, anything like that. Now, all them things may need to be addressed to stop him offending again or becoming worse and becoming one of them statistics that are in the more serious side of probation. But it's, um, I notice, and this is just from my, because I, I scrutinise everything. I, I'm, a, I'm a watcher. I watch what people do. I, I listen to what people say. And through this pandemic, I've seen a lot of, yeah, there's people trying to help, but I've seen a lot of, can you sign this paperwork for education? And it's a disclaimer, isn't it? And throw it at them. Now, I know that's for funding. For data. I know, and, and for funding. They need funding for you to do that course. I know it's for funding. I know how much each prisoner gets each year for training and rehabilitation. Because I'll research, it's not my first time in prison, I know how I need to do my sentence. He's saying they're like salesmen, they're not like educators. They're not educators. Like trying no. to get the signature. Well, if, it's, if they're educators, they would say, let me just run through it with you quickly. This is what you need to do, X, Y. Well, this is what I'd do personally anyway. Say if you was to give me some work now, I'd hopefully he'd say to me, right, this is what I need you to do. But it's not that, it's on the wing, get as many signatures as you can, as quick as you can, and run off. Now, I've seen them come to the same people time and time again with the same course. Nathan's one of them and signed the paperwork three times. Well, hold on. We're prisoners. We haven't got access to your files. So you're telling me you want me to do this job, but clearly you're not doing yours because you've asked me to sign this same piece of paperwork three times. And we're meant to have faith in you to be helping us. And I've seen a lot of people get frustrated. Oh, fuck it, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it now. I can understand why you're not doing it. It's frustrating. You've got the same purse. You want to go and work in kitchens, but you can't because you haven't done your assessment. 
I have I've done it three, four times. Well, I'll find out for you what's going on. And then you've got a different member of staff. Oh no, it's it's a. I'm a grown up just because I'm in prison. Yeah, I'm yeah. not stupid. Yeah, yeah. You can't baffle me with words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't work. And this is where a lot of lads are getting frustrated, like. That and, and then prime prime that they end up going to themselves. Well, you know what? You lot can't be boss to fuck should I? So we saying is is for you. It's clear the education department used them as an example. Their priority isn't bettering us. It's funding their department. It's funding the department because it's. We, it's a contractor that's in here. It's yeah, yeah. a contractor, and they've got to have so many people through the door for them to have to, for them to stick to the terms of that contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, which one of these pupils are doing exams, or who even knows what they've done for a course over COVID? So I, I can chip in here because so when I come in I, after my experience on B Wing, I sorted me head out and identified my career path. Like we said earlier about mm-hmm. counselling. Yeah. So I, I done my research, I knew the courses that were available here, and I knew the courses I needed to do to make me eligible to do that degree. And so I come in with my plan, I did it all written out, it was a 10 point plan, starting point was mentoring level one. Getting myself onto them courses was a nightmare in this jail. It was a nightmare. There, there's no, like, like you say, for want of a better word, it's a little bit hand-holding, especially when you're new and you're delicate, you're a little bit vulnerable, you've just been banged with a 10. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You do need someone to so go. Can we say this? Obviously, with a lot of it's to do with the establishment that you're in as well, because you've got other prisons that'll go to the end of the earth for you yeah, and yeah, do yeah. all this. So this prison has a serious problem Yeah, in I, that I, sense. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so other prisons are really good. Well, what I, I, the thing I think I'd like to see it is if actually identified potential career paths for people. And then and it'd be simple, you could do a generic career path for say 10 careers and then set up what qualifications then men need to do to be eligible for a life within that career upon their release. And, and even if, because it's a remand resettlement prison, they could only do say the first two stages, but they could identify the second prison you'd need to transfer to to do points three, four and five. Then, then that, that for me, you, you're giving these men a start. And you're filling them with that little bit of confidence. Once they've done step one, acknowledge their success, reward them, push them on. Then step two, starting on this date, keep your word, get that man on that course and start step two. Once you've finished that, again, acknowledge your success and talk to him about the next step in his plan, how he's going to complete it, what that prison, where he'll be going, will offer him, what you can expect when he gets there. Start the process, fill him with a bit of belief. Do you know what I mean? I'm someone, I'm someone who's doing that for you. Someone who's doing that for you. Let's say you're, you've come in, you're struggling, but you've got all what you've just said, and someone, but he's actually doing all that for yeah, me. Yeah, I see yeah. him on a weekly basis, and he's actually moving mountains for me. Yeah, that builds your confidence. Your mental health probably is at a manageable level now because you're seeing things, and you're going forward with them, yeah, compared yeah. to, oh, yeah, doing nothing. So you're down there still, nothing's going on, I'm still waiting, or fuck this up, you know what I mean? You can actually see progress, which then you progress, one, so key, it takes you out of that state. one key point there, when you're talking about the member of staff that would be taking mm. you through that journey, you, you just described it, you think he's moving mountains, when actually all you're asking is he's doing his job. He's doing his job. Yeah. Jeez, it's not even nice, <laughs> just yeah. doing his job. Now. What?